Good morning, and welcome to the River of Life Sunday Morning Podcast. If you're local to Wakulla County, we'd love to see you and worship with you in person. Our service times are Sunday at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. God bless you, and we hope you enjoy the sermon. More than 2,000 years ago, a man was born contrary to the laws of nature. This man lived in poverty and was raised in obscurity. He never traveled extensively. He only left the border of the country in which he lived one time, and that was during his exile in childhood. He possessed neither wealth nor influence, and his relatives were inconspicuous, having neither training nor formal education. And yet, as an infant, he startled a king. In childhood, he puzzled and amazed the theologians of his day. In adulthood, he ruled the course of nature, walked on the water as though it was pavement, and hushed the sea to sleep. He healed the multitudes without medication, and made no charges for his service. He never wrote a book, and yet no library in all the world can hold all the books that have been written about him. He never wrote a song, and yet he has furnished the theme for more songs than all the writers put together. He never founded a college, But all the schools of the world combined cannot boast of having as many students as he has. He never marshaled an army, drafted a soldier, or fired a shot. And yet no leader in all of human history has ever had so many people to surrender, lay down their arms, and willingly follow him. He never practiced psychiatry. But he has healed more broken hearts than all the doctors of the world. (laughs) Yeah. Once a week, hundreds of millions of people around the world gather together in his name to worship him, pay homage and respect. The names of past proud statesmen of Greece and Rome have come and gone. The names of scientists, philosophers, and theologians have come and gone. But his name is ever increasing in the world. (laughs) And although time has spread some 2,000 years between us And the people of his day who hated him, who despised him, and wanted to completely do away with him, he's still here. You see, Herod couldn't kill him. Satan couldn't seduce him. The Pharisees couldn't trick him. The Sadducees couldn't stand him. The people wanted to crucify him, and they did, but there was a problem. Death couldn't handle him. (laughs) 
and the grave couldn't hold him. (laughs) With the power of his own might, he got up and walked out of that tomb alive. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph for his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose, he arose. Hallelujah, Christ arose. That's good news. But I've got some more good news for you. Some of you need to hear this today because I think some of you are just a little bit worried and we need to solve that problem today. Listen up. Jesus Christ cannot be canceled. No culture can cancel him. No culture has ever been able to cancel him. You see, Jesus Christ cannot be canceled. The Bible cannot be canceled. Truth cannot be canceled. Christianity cannot be canceled. This wonderful, glorious movement called the church cannot be canceled. I know this. And the reason I know this is because for 2,000 years the enemy's been trying to cancel it to no avail. Emperors have tried to destroy it. Philosophies have tried to stamp it out. Tyrants have tried to wash it from the face of the earth with the very blood of those who claimed it. Yet still it stands. And there shall be that final day when every voice that has ever uttered a sound, every voice of Adam's race shall be raised in one great mighty chorus to proclaim the name of Jesus. For in that day, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So child of God, stop worrying. He can't be canceled. And if he's your Lord and Savior, you can't be canceled. And your destiny can't be canceled. (laughs) Oh, we've got an appointment with destiny. We're going to see the king. (laughs) If somebody asks you, where's your church going? Say, we're going to see the king. (laughs) That's where we're going. We're going to see the king. Oh, friends, all is well in the kingdom. He didn't just get up and walk out of that tomb alive. He's in charge. And right now, this day, he stands as the highest pinnacle of heavenly glory. Proclaimed by the Father. Acknowledged by angels. Preached and taught around the world. Adored by saints. Feared by demons. He is and always will be the one and only powerful, glorious, risen son of the living God. His name is Jesus. And that's why we're here today. (laughs) This is all about Jesus. Wow. You folks have me worked up. I'm just telling you. Hey, I have a short message. I've had so many people ask me, said, do you have a good message today? And I, I've been saying, pray hard. <laughs> I know I had a great introduction. 
I mean, that goes without saying. Yeah. So here goes. You may not have ever heard an Easter message like this one. But this is what God put on my heart. And I want to share with you today five powerful words. Five powerful words. And it won't take me long to do it. Five powerful words that will change your life. I hope you'll write these words down. Or get your phone out and, or something to type on. and Just write these down. Five powerful words that will change your life. Here it is. Here's the first one. Fight. Write that word down, fight. Here it is, 1 Timothy 6, 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Oh, you're talking about a powerful word. There's some fighting that we need to do as children of God. Uh, one passage of Scripture says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not, listen, war in the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God. Do you understand? There's some fighting to be done, and there is warfare that we're going to have to engage in in the process of this Christian life and Christian walk. This is not easy street. This is not cotton candy and ice cream. This, this is work. You got to fight. You, you, you got to fight. On one occasion, the apostle Paul said, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Uh, he, he was saying, you, you need to suit up because the enemy's coming. And I want you to be able to stand. Don't let the enemy take you off your feet. Somebody here needs to hear this today. Don't let the enemy take you off your feet. Put on the whole armor of God that you'll be able to stand. And, and notice what it says. It says to withstand in the evil day. Oh, I don't know about you, but I think we're living in the evil day. Whew, things are getting bad. You see, the Christian life is to be approached like this. You get up in the morning, you put on the whole armor of God, and you go out to battle, and you fight for the glory of God. Yeah. He went on to say that the enemy will be throwing fiery darts, flaming arrows at you. It will be a full frontal assault. Sounds pretty serious, doesn't it? But come on, let's get honest. The enemy's really fighting against you, isn't he? Can I see some hands in the house? The enemy's fighting against you, isn't he? So what are we to do? Sit back and be passive and do nothing? No. We fight. We war. Now, we don't fight like the rest of the world. We fight with love. We fight with forgiveness. We fight with peace. We fight with compassion. We fight with obedience. We fight with holiness. But we have to fight. We have to fight. I'm just asking you, isn't it time you get serious about your Christian life and start fighting the good fight of faith? Well, let me give you the good news before I move to the next word. And that is the battle's already won. It's already won. I refer you back to the introduction. 
He's already defeated the enemy. He's already conquered death. He's already won the battle. So, spiritually speaking, you've already won. But in the flesh, you have to keep fighting. Let me tell you something. You refuse to fight and get passive and the devil will beat the daylights out of you. (laughs) I think I got a witness in the house. (laughs) The devil will beat you up. You've you've got to fight. But you're not fighting for victory. You're fighting from victory because Jesus Christ lives in your heart and he that's in you is greater than he that's in the world. All right, here's the next word. You're not going to like this word. Work. James 2.17. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Down a few more verses in that same chapter, I think it's verse 20. It says, if you have faith without works, your faith is useless. It's not any good. Faith without works is phony faith. Faith that does not do anything is not real, genuine faith. Real, genuine faith in God always has corresponding action. There's work. According to the Bible, you and I, as Christians, were predestined to work. I'm not making this up. Listen, Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto, say it with me, good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You see, friends, before you were born, God had work for you to do. It was his design. You, You have a purpose. You have a destiny. And that is to fulfill God's ordained plan for your life. But we've got a lot of Christians today, and I fear it's because of watered-down preaching that don't understand that there's fighting to be done and there's work to be done, and they're not working. When I was preparing this message, I kept hearing something in the back of my head, and it was from many, many years ago. And I tried to dismiss it, but sometimes the Holy Spirit will just shout so loud you can't dismiss it. And this is what I heard. I went back in my mind and I kept hearing this echo of my wife when my children were small and growing up. And my wife, I heard this a thousand times or more. Clean your room. (laughs) She never gave up. Clean your room. Sometimes she would add to it. Nobody should live in that kind of filth. (laughs) Clean your room. And I was always amazed at when they did it, how quickly they could destroy it again. (laughs) Clean your room. Every now and then when I visit the homes of my children, I'm always amazed. What happened? Their homes are clean. What changed? What happened? 
I know what happened. Mama happened. Mama never quit. Mama never gave up. Mama kept saying, clean your room. She loved them so much that she held that high standard and would never relent. Can I tell you that God loves you so much that he will never stop telling you to clean your room. Go to work. Clean your room. Go to work and clean up your house. Clean up your marriage. Clean up your language. Clean up your Facebook. And all that other stuff on social media. And you may have a thousand liberal preachers and teachers tell you that you don't have to do that. But God loves you too much. He'll never stop telling you to clean your act up. Go to work and clean things up. And by the way, friends, when you go to work, you see, you're doing the work. You don't just have faith without works. You have faith in God that puts you to work. And when you start cleaning your life up, it won't be long. You won't be doing the work of cleaning your life up. You'll be doing that foreordained work that God planned for you before the foundation of the world. Child of God, please look at me. This is not just about coming on Easter Sunday. God has a plan for your life. God has a work for you to do. You're going to have to fight and you're going to have to work. Here's another word. These are powerful words that change things. This word is build. And I'll read 1 Corinthians 3.10. But the apostle Paul said there's only one foundation that, that has been laid and that's Jesus Christ. No man can lay another foundation. There's just one foundation. And listen to what he said. He said, let each one take care how he builds upon it. Notice the two words, take care. Let each one take care. This thing about the Christian life is not haphazard. This is serious business. This is something you take care of. You pay attention to it. Take care of how you build Upon it. You see, friends, there's just one foundation and nobody can lay another foundation. That one foundation is Jesus Christ. But each and every one of us has the responsibility to build on that foundation. To build something beautiful. To build something glorious. Something godly. Something eternal. Something that will last. You see, child of God, the Christian life is not about just surviving. It's not about coasting. It's not about just holding on. It's not about just making it through. No. The Christian life is about building something beautiful and glorious and wonderful and praiseworthy on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Building something in your life in family so that you become so full of the light and the love and the glory of God that it shines out of you and shouts to the world, he's alive. He's alive. He lives in me. He's alive. I'm talking about something beautiful. 
isn't it time for you to start a building project? You say, Pastor, I don't know where to start. I can tell you where to start. Start on your knees. Start with the word of God and start by asking the Holy Spirit to tell you how to build on that one foundation because the Holy Spirit wants to help you. And the Holy Spirit will start speaking to you. And just find out. Find out from the Holy Spirit. And wherever he tells you to start fighting and go to work and start building, you get in there and you do it. And I'm telling you, when you do, amazing things will start happening. Here's the next word. Do. Just do. James 1.22 says, but be, say it with me, doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. You see, child of God, when, when you just hear the word, but you don't become a doer of the word, the Bible says you're deceiving your own self. It's not the preacher that's deceiving you. It's not the teacher that's deceiving you. You're deceiving your own self. Now, I know somebody's sitting here today saying, I didn't come to an Easter service to hear this. Yes, you did. (laughs) Yes, you did. God put you here today, and he put this message in me, and he means for the two to meet. God put you here for this. You see, friends, the Bible says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. In Luke, the sixth chapter, Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you. In Matthew, the seventh chapter, Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. You see, friends, the litmus test for Christianity is doing the work of the father. Now, I know I know the resistance to preaching like this, so I'll just cut you off at the pass. You don't have to come up to me and say this after the service. Pastor, that sounds like legalism. No, that sounds like common sense. That's what that sounds... Listen, yeah, go on, come on. That's common sense. Jesus reduced his language in this matter to the most basic common logic and common sense. Why? Why would you call me Lord and not do the things I tell you to do? Why? (laughs) That's so illogical. Why would you do that? No. We, We have to do things. Now, every now and then I'll hear somebody say, well, what about the do and done thing? By the way, Uh, That statement is not in the Bible. I've heard so many people say the Christian life is not about do, it's about done. Wrong. Your salvation is not about do, it's about done. You couldn't do anything to earn your salvation. You couldn't do anything to be worthy of his saving grace and shed blood. There was nothing you could do. It was already done. He did it for you because he loved you. There is nothing you can do about salvation. But friends, I'm telling you, once you are born into the kingdom, the Christian life is all about do. It's about fighting. It's about working. It's about building. It's about doing. You you have to do something. 
Uh, one of my favorite poems from of old goes like this. If a man would be a soldier, he'd expect, of course, to fight. And he couldn't be an author if he didn't try to write. If a man would be a hunter, he must go among the trees. And he couldn't be a sailor if he didn't sail the seas. So it isn't common logic, doesn't have a real true ring, that a man to be a Christian doesn't have to do a thing. With all my heart, I believe it is time for the church of Jesus Christ to wake up and begin to understand that we possess resurrection power. It's time for us to understand that we have the power and victory. It's time for us to start fighting like God wants us to fight, not like the world. Don't you misinterpret me, not like the world, but to fight and to work and to build and to do what God tells us. To do. You see, it's real simple, friends. You read it, you do it. You read the truth, you hear the truth, you talk the truth, and you flesh it out. You read it, and you do it. You carry it out. And the reason I put this in there, because this word is so powerful. Friends, if you will just add this word into your Christian life, and you read it, and then you activate it, and you do it, friends, it will catapult you to a level and a relationship with the Lord that will blow your mind. Oh, God will show up in your life. Angels will be there to help you. The Holy Spirit will begin to speak to you. And marvelous and wonderful things will happen. But don't you ever let anybody tell you you have no responsibility. Because you do. This just doesn't make sense. Why would the Bible say fight? You saw it. Why would the Bible say work? You saw it. I'm taking these words right out of scripture. Why would the Bible say build? Why would the Bible say do? Be a doer of the word. All right, the last word. Those of you who have been attending on a regular basis, this will not be a new word for you. It's called Test. I thought I'd get a response out of you on that one. If this is your first time being with us, go back to YouTube and check the last couple months out. You'll find this. James 1.12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. That's proactive. That's not passive. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. James 1.12. Last week I gave a challenge. And I've been doing this weekly. About passing the test. Passing the test. In fact somebody printed me some signs out. And I got more than I need. So I'll share some with you. It says passing the test. And, and I, I love that. But I've been challenging the congregation. To pass the test. And last week it was a specific test. Declare war. Against the number one sin that keeps defeating you. I shared the scripture. If you remember last week. Let us lay aside every weight in the sin. Which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And then this was the test. I just said pass the test of defeating that thing in your life. That easily defeats you on a regular basis. Now come on. 
I think sometimes we come to church and we put on our church faces and we put on the facade. But you know what I'm talking about. That one sin that keeps defeating you and keeps you from walking with the Lord, fulfilling your work and your destiny. Now, friends, I believe this with all my heart. If Jesus got up and walked out of that tomb alive, and if that Jesus lives in me, then I can get up and walk out of my bondage and I can, I can defeat this thing. That number one sin that's stealing your joy and keeping you from fulfilling your destiny, you can defeat that thing. And I laid that challenge out. Uh, let me just give you two responses I got. This was a text. Pastor, this is somebody heard my message last week. Pastor, eight years ago, you preached a sermon on doing battle against addiction and strongholds similar to today. He had heard the message. And I was convicted, this was eight years ago, I was convicted and prayed that day and laid my cigarette addiction at the cross and left it there. Unlike a hundred times, a hundred other times I had tried to quit on my own, I have not had any nicotine products from that day on. It's pretty good, isn't it? Pretty good. But listen to the last line. Today, I picked my number one sin and I will do the same thing with it. Praise God. When did we become weaklings? When did we become wimps? When did we become helpless? We are more than conquerors through him that loved us and gave himself for us. The power of the resurrection is in us. I'm trying to stir you up today to say there's more with the Christian life than what most of us are experiencing. Yesterday, I received a call. Here's the second one. From someone in this church who told me that the message, this was, this was their uh, words, the message last week struck a nerve. And they knew immediately that pornography and sexual sin, mostly in the mind, the fantasy part, that that was the besetting sin. That was the thing that was defeating them. That was the thing that was keeping them from drawing closer to the Lord. This person said to me, I identified the sin and I declared war against it in Jesus' name. They started fighting. They went to work. They prayed. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, no longer passive, but aggressive in boldness to say this thing has no place in my life. They did that. Seven days later, I receive a call saying, Pastor, praise God, I'm passing the test. Please pray for me. I love the last line. Please pray for me, but just know I'm passing the test. Now, have you ever talked to somebody who was sad, depressed, and defeated? You can hear it in their voice, can't you? Well, in like manner, when you talk to somebody who's full of 
victory and joy and excitement and enthusiasm. You know it, don't you? Oh, let me tell you, one of the most beautiful things, seven days into the battle, I heard nothing but victory in that voice. I heard joy in that voice. I heard confidence in that voice. I heard hope in that voice. Oh, friends, I'm telling you, if you take these words, words like fight, words like work, words like build, words like do, words like start passing the test, you won't be but a couple of days into it. And you'll feel something stirring inside of you. Oh, there's no sermon I can ever preach to you. It'll get you as excited about taking your Christianity seriously and doing the things God wants you to do. Now, I want to talk to you about grace just a minute. God's grace drew you to repentance. Did you know that the Bible says that... um, We can't even repent. It's the goodness of God that brings us to repentance. It was God's grace that drew you to repentance. It was the grace of God that saved you. And listen up. It will be the grace of God that will give you the courage to fight. It'll be the grace of God that'll give you the strength to work. It'll be the grace of God that gives you the wisdom and the knowledge of how to build something beautiful on that foundation. It will be the grace of God that shows you how to do and live out and flesh out the word of God. And every victory you win, every test you pass, it'll be the grace of God. I'm just saying this, you have to do this, but you will not have to do it alone. The moment you step out in faith, God's going to come alongside of you. Angels will join you. The power of God will be with you. And every promise of God in the scriptures will be yours. I close with this. The Holy Spirit spoke a special word to me when I was preparing this message. This might be for many or one. But the Holy Spirit spoke to me so genuinely and told me that there would be somebody listening to me today who's genuine and sincere. You really are. You're genuine. You're sincere. There's not a hypocritical bone in your body. But at the same time, you know that your Christianity is not working for you. The Spirit of the Lord says to you today, If you hear this message and fight the good fight of faith, if you will start working, don't just be a doer of the word. But, I mean, don't just uh, uh, be faith. It's not just faith. This works also. That if you will build, if you will do what God's word says do. Listen to this. I believe this is from heaven above for somebody here today. God says he will show up in your life in mighty power. He will show you what grace is all about. Grace is God miraculously and gloriously giving you the strength, power, and courage to be more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's for somebody here today. Listen, I'm going to share something with you right now that I really believe everybody here knows. I believe you know this by experience. Passive Do-nothing Christianity does 
not work. It doesn't work. Well, that can all change right now. Isn't it time for you to start living in the power of his glorious resurrection? Would you bow with me in prayer? Oh, I want to encourage you today. Just five words. Fight. Work. Build. Do. (laughs) Pass the test. The test. You see, I think when we get serious, God gets serious. I think when we get serious, demons tremble. When we get serious, victories are won. Father, I pray right now that the words I've spoken today will sink deep into the hearts of your people. We thank you, Lord, for grace every step of the way. Lord, we also acknowledge today that there is personal responsibility. Lord, thank you for never leaving us alone. Oh, there's somebody here today and God just won't leave you alone. Why don't you just whisper and say, thank you, God. Why don't you say, thank you, God. God won't leave you alone. Thank you, Lord, that you keep telling us this is not right. This needs to be cleaned up. This needs to be out of your life. Thank you for that kind of love, Father. Father, I pray that some things will be set in motion this day that will change everything. I pray that great and glorious testimonies will come out of this service today. And Father, I praise your holy name for who you are and for what you've done in our lives.